Hey guys, before we start this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing line that proceeds of the shirts and tanks and everything else goes to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. So um, this all came about with me and seeing a five-year-old girl in the emergency department uh, that had a new onset of diabetes. So uh, just take a look at the website. It's www type1lifting.com so just check it out if you don't buy anything that's perfectly fine uh, I would just like for you just to take a look and just see what we have so like I said before www.type1lifting.com and guys I hope you enjoy the show What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I have another great guest. His name is Nick Karakandis. Uh, he is from South Africa, and um, I actually met him on through Instagram, and I'm really, really excited to talk to him about nutrition and pretty much anything fitness-wise. So welcome to the show. What's up, man? Thank you so much for having me, bud. Yeah, so... Um, I saw the re the reason how we connected was I thought I think I saw like an Instagram TV video of you talking about your lifestyle as a diabetic and pretty much your life going on as a diabetic. So just uh, can you just tell the listeners like when you got diagnosed and how did you handle it? Yeah, sure, um, sure. Long time ago, so I've been a type one diabetic for twenty four years now. Um, I was diagnosed at the age of ten. I had a good understanding as to what diabetes was. My mom was a type 1 diabetic five years before me. So, you know, from the age of five, I'd witnessed it. Um, and I suppose I was diabetic from extension. Uh, but at the age of 10, I was diagnosed. You know, high school happened. High school was, was tough as a kid with diabetes. You know, we don't really think about future consequences. Um, so we, we let it roll and, you know, I'd go to school and leave my insulin at home and then sorted out when I got home afterwards and um, that didn't last for too long but it was for long enough um, and I knew that I needed to go into a career that would suit a life as a diabetic and early on it was ingrained it was ingrained into me that I needed to focus on my training or training in general and nutrition together with my medication if I was going to have a really good chance at being a healthy diabetic and this was actually from my endocrinologist at the time um, and so that really planted the seed. And so when I was 17, I started to job shadow nutritionists, uh, biokineticists. And, uh, you know, obviously I really enjoyed sports. I played first team for, for quite a few sports. Um, and so I was thinking more along the lines of sports-specific coaching. The nutritionist aspect at that time was uh, quite female-led, the industry, and it wasn't really for me. Um, biokineticists, great, but not the kind of work that I wanted to do I wasn't really into the whole you know into as much rehab as I was into actually competing and working with uh, with athletes little did I know at that time that you know that could have been a good avenue for me to do so I became a strength and conditioning coach personal trainer first I then went on to get certified as a strength and conditioning coach and um, I bought into the first gym that I worked at after about three and a half years of, of there of working there and that's how I really got into the industry and um, how it all started as a diabetic, I guess. So, when you first got into owning that gym, what was the what was it like, and like what did you notice that um, you know the the issues that you had that came up that you thought would never happen? Well, that's a really good question. So, it was at that time I was so focused on trying to be better at this career that I had found myself in. Funny enough, going into it because of my diabetes, I actually, in, initially, I completely neglected my diabetes for those three years, just because I was so busy working from hour to hour that I never really took my sugar levels that seriously. Um, and it was actually at the end of that initial three-year period where Diabetic Athletics started. And I almost took a step back going, I'm doing this for my diabetes, but I'm actually not giving my diabetes the time of day that it deserves. And mm -hmm. that was really the shift uh, in mentality and I suppose in my approach. And that's when Diabetic Athletics started. It initially had just started off as a blog. 
and I started Diabetic Athletic to teach people about how to be athletic while being diabetic, and it was the best name I could have come up with at the time, <laughs> and then it stuck. Um, and so I would I initially just started not working with diabetics, but almost speaking to myself. I didn't have an audience at that time about how to eat with diabetes, how to train with diabetes, how to get around diabetes through training and nutrition. And um, and it went, that went on for about three years before Diabetic Athletic actually started to become a program for other diabetics. Very cool, very cool. So what's, what's the program like for the Diabetic Athletic? Yeah, so Diabetic Athletic now, um, it's taken me quite a while to actually grow Diabetic Athletic into what it is. You know, with the brick and mortar business having a gym, we think that online is going to be the same thing when in actual fact it couldn't be any different. It couldn't be further apart. Uh, so it's taken me about, it's taken me these six years that it's been around. It's taken me this long to really figure out how to supply an effective and efficient product online. Uh, better than or to deliver the service better than we would in person and that's taken a lot of trial and error a lot of losses and a lot of wins and um, so diabetic athletic now is a 10-week program and it looks after diabetics training nutrition education mindset and lifestyle in between their endocrinologist visits every two to three months um, and so when I created the program, I had to think about how I was going to deliver the very same service I did in person for all the members at my gym um, and how I would deliver that uh, in to people online. And that really starts with one habit at a time, one step at a time. First, it's the basics, getting them educated as to what diabetes is, um, what their or our condition is really about, and then how training affects our diabetes how nutrition affects our diabetes and uh, and how to get the basics right like things like carb counting and uh, insulin sensitivity ratios and uh, carb to insulin ratios and so on so the program is an online step-by-step guide over a period of 10 weeks to teach you everything about training nutrition diabetes and how they all work together nice so do you do you do like weekly phone calls with your clients at all or is it just like via yes. email yeah Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you sign up, it's um, it's almost as if it was, It's almost, it looks like the Netflix of training and nutrition. So you'll log in, you get into your members area, and you've got a whole lot of, you've got modules on the very left-hand side. Module one is your intro to diabetes, what it is, uh, why we get it, why you may have got it, how to handle it, and so on. Um, and then you've got module two, which is really explaining everything about diets that you could ever imagine. We really rip into what nutrition is, why diets fail, why diets work, why some diets seem to be better than others, but we really break diets down and, and get you to understand why nutrition or diets work the way they do. Module three, we challenge that foundation, so we, we really put practical application into what they've learned. Um, and then you get weekly modules that will pretty much have, they'll go live every new week on the program, and I run you through what our focus is going to be for that week. And that would be, obviously, our weekly phone calls. Every week you get new assets to download, uh, but the point is, every week you get the assets that you were download to do for that week, so that you're not concentrating on anything more than you need to be concentrating on for that specific time frame. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, like what kind of what kind of like workout programs do you do for the diabetic athletic? Is it like more like a hit training, CrossFit or like strength or, or is it like kind of like a whole mixed bag of all those? So, I would say I'd say it's a mix. The only reason I say it's a mix, mix is because the kind of training that we do really all stems backwards. It's almost as if it's reverse engineered as to what your goals are so when someone comes to me and says this is what my goal is and let's just say it's um adding additional lean muscle mass we then have to go right so what is the dietary approach to adding lean muscle mass we know that it's not a caloric restriction uh, we know it's quite the opposite but we also know we're going to need a training program that's going to provide the stimulus needed for additional lean muscle mass if it's fat loss that kind of changes if it's diabetic control now the the training paradigm almost shifts because if a training program is too stressful, remember as diabetics, we have to control stress no matter where it's coming from, whether we, we deem it to be good stress or bad stress, stress is stress and it needs to be managed. So then the, the training program would really shift. Um, you know, hit programs, CrossFit, these training styles are, or methodologies are okay, 
but you need to be very good at handling your diabetes for those to those kind of training programs to be good for the diabetic because normally what will happen is if a tra training program is higher in intensity it's going to cause spikes during the workouts and this is where the education really becomes so important so that you know how to deal with your sugar levels prior to training so that the training program can suit and then all is well in the kingdom so to speak mm -hmm. but as far as the training is concerned it pretty much it's made to suit the individual you know there's no point doing a training program you don't thoroughly enjoy so what happens is we create programs you enjoy and then i use an app uh, to program your workouts per day uh, and whether that be home workouts or it be workouts in the gym you go to the gym or you open the mo you open the app at home um, and then my the workouts that are programmed for you for that day will be there with all the video demonstrations and how to perform them uh, and so you can enter your rep ranges and sets done and so on oh cool so i, I don't know in, in south africa are, are the gyms open now at all or are they are they just starting to get open um no gyms are not open uh we are i I, yeah, I suspect gyms to only be open again probably somewhere closer to the end of the year. Mm -hmm. But this being, this being said, um, I only have two clients from South Africa. Most of, my, most of the members of Diabetic Athletic are in the States, Canada, and Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah very, few, very few are here in, uh, in SA. So how did, how did they meet you? How did they find, out with, how did they find you out through was it like social media or – yeah, pretty much, pretty much all through all through social media. I mean, word of mouth, word of mouth on social media, but uh, most certainly through through some channel on a on a social channel on social media. Okay, very cool, very cool. So, with the nutritional side, well, for, I'll, I'll well, I kind of want to go towards like for for me real quick. So, usually when I do CrossFit and then like after the workout, I usually get up to about three hundred. So, and then obviously I dose the insulin immediately after just to kind of. Acted. I don't take a large amount of insulin because obviously you're on the fight or flight mode and your hormones are still like kind of acting up a little bit and you have like yeah. roughly like a half hour to kind of calm them down a little bit. So I, I've actually had a lot of talks with people and they're always asking me how do they control their uh, blood sugar through CrossFit style workouts? So most of the time where, where CrossFit style workouts are concerned or if we back it up a little bit, we've really got two – we've got two – well, not disciplines, for lack of a better word. We've got aerobic activity and we've got anaerobic activity, right? And on the anaerobic activity side, we have got your higher intensity activity, all right? We've got your resistance training and we've got your weight training. Generally speaking, no matter which way the, the cake is cut, uh, CrossFit style workout is probably going to be more anaerobic in nature. And we know as diabetics, when we're doing an anaerobic workout, our sugars are initially going to have a spike. Anaerobic workouts are far better for us as diabetics because, uh, well, there's an endless list, but they keep our sugar levels lower for longer post-workout. However, that initial spike is caused by from things such as adrenaline as well. There's a lot of adrenaline involved in, um, as you said, fight or flight, except it's not flight, it's fight. So adrenaline is there, and uh, we know that that spike is most likely going to happen. So all we need to do rather than changing the training domain is to anticipate the spike rather than to react to it when it happens. Mm -hmm. So as far as aerobic activity is concerned, you wouldn't want to do an aerobic session of any kind with too much insulin on board. Um, if you're on a pump, you would switch your basal off about 30 minutes before and make sure you haven't bolused anywhere from in, within about two hours prior to your workout. If you're not or you're doing an anaerobic workout, you would just make sure test and retest but you would have some insulin on board prior to the workout to anticipate the spike um, and obviously just make that hope for that spike to or be sure that that spike's just not too significant because your performance is going to drop once it goes too high mm -hmm. so yeah trial and error is pretty much uh, diabetes in a nutshell though yeah yeah so do you deal with any like power lifters or like olympic weightlifters or anything like that so not currently on the diabetic athletic programs. I used to I used to only do sports specific coaching. So I would have a lot of athletes on all of my programs, but that was more in person. Mm -hmm. Diabetic athletic is pretty much for your everyday diabetic, and it's a it's primarily a fat loss program for diabetics. Okay, um, I've got a few gentlemen on it that are wanting to um, to add some significant muscle mass, 
Um, it's really two sides of the same coin. But it's for the everyday diabetic that's actually just needing to improve from their last visit with their endocrinologist. They are feeling slightly overwhelmed with their diabetes. There's just there's things that they just can't get their head around it. A very common one is carb counting um, and, and working out how to actually fix their glucose levels and eat the foods that they enjoy uh, while keeping overwhelmed to a minimum. Because, you know, when overwhelm is present, we take less action. We don't actually take action. Mm-hmm. And the only way to overcome overwhelm is with a good support structure uh, and taking one step after another in the right direction. Okay. So as far as the diabetic athletic program is concerned, my knowledge is is very much in the sports performance realm. Uh, but diabetic athletic is really for the everyday diabetic wanting to have better impact, freedom, and control with their diabetes. Okay, very cool. So uh, with the nutritional side, this is kind of like I wanted to get into. So like what's the average, you know, for the average person that you deal with, like what's their nutritional like macros or, you know, carb counting like? So initially, carb counting, funnily enough, is non-existent. You'd be so surprised how many diabetics don't or, can't, or haven't grasped carb counting yet. Um, and if I look at my own personal journey as far as carb counting is concerned, I knew that I needed to get good at carb counting as a diabetic. But even the, you know, the, the nurse that was handling, that was part of my support team, she didn't have the best way at explaining what carb counting was. And uh, I learned this very early on in my personal training career is that it doesn't matter how smart we are as, as industry professionals. If we lack the ability to translate our understanding and our professional terminologies and industry jargon, and we lack the ability to translate that over into the people we're trying to teach so that they can actually understand it and use it, the information is quite useless. And that's what I've found happens a lot with carb counting. So I created a 40-minute presentation uh, on carb counting for diabetics so that when they hop on my program it's quite an easy teach because that really takes care of it all and then obviously the support is there to dive into any questions after that mm-hmm. um, but I find I, I find the initial knowledge of carb counting's non-existent so that's that's the first thing and then the second is the the battle that we all have because we love carbohydrates and they're really they're a massive part of every single person's diet uh, and we either hear We either hear that we're keeping carbs in the diet, but we've got bad diabetic control, or we hear the other half of the coin where they've heard low carb, high fat is the holy grail, uh, and they've made really, you know, large sacrifices, they've ruined their relationship with food, but they've got better diabetic control. And the real goal there is you don't want to be on either side. You want to know how to carb count, because that means you can now eat carbs, have a healthy relationship with them, and they're not affecting your diabetic control, which means they can stay in the diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like to keep diabetes and nutrition and training in a balance. You don't want to be cutting anything out. You don't want to be having too much of one thing and nothing of the other. Uh, too restrictive becomes unsustainable, which means it's going to end. Your results end when that ends. Um, so if you keep a good balance between carbs coming in, if you're training, if you're doing CrossFit, you're going to be at a higher demand for carbohydrates anyway. Yeah. Um, because that, so, you know, you've almost afforded to eat that. Now, you just pair that up with a little bit of knowledge as to what your insulin can do for you. Uh, and you've got to be, you want the best of both worlds. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I've, I've noticed I've been taking a little bit, like a having, eating a little bit more carbs than usual. Because obviously those those workouts are a, more, a, lot, a lot more stressful pretty much. So. Yeah. So do you do you have do you have your clients do like like uh, macro counting at all or just like the weighing their food or is just just the straight balance of just eating what they think? Yeah. So that's a good question. So again, it really all depends on on the person that signs up to the program. You see, some people will start and they have bad relationships with foods or potentially eating disorders. So to give somebody to put somebody on, you know, counting their macros where, or anything that's a little bit too far away from flexible dieting when you've had an eating disorder in the past, that becomes something that that's probably a bad idea. It's more a bad idea than it is a good idea. So what we do is we actually only start your nutrition plan in week three of the 10 week program. And what I will then do is I will ask, I will ask you to track your food 
now your normal eating. We haven't changed anything yet. I'll ask you to track what you normally eat in a calorie tracking app. I use MyFitnessPal for that just because mm-hmm. it's Easy. one of the better ones and it's completely free and everyone knows how to use it. Yeah. Um, and I'll get you to track what you eat from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed for five days so that I can get an idea as to what your normal eating routine looks like because I need to help you with an eating plan that resembles what you most enjoy. And if I come in and I give you what I think you should be doing, there's only a, it's only a matter of time before you break from that. Yeah. So once we've done that, we've done two things. I've got to see what you normally eat and why you are sitting in the situation that you were sitting in. Um, it gives me a better idea as to what we can fix where you might have gone wrong. But also, you've been practicing calorie tracking for five days. So if we choose to go forward with a flexible dieting approach, um, and let's just say I give you some guidelines saying that... Um, a general guideline would be for you to have one gram of protein for every pound of, uh, of body weight you've got. So we've got calories as your main goal, that's priority one. We've created a second priority, which is your protein intake. So without us focusing on keeping carbohydrates and sugars and everything else and alcohols out of your diet, all I've done is ask you to focus on meeting a protein target, which means our focus is actually on building habits rather than excluding old ones. So the mindset to that is actually a much stronger mindset than going, right, I've been told I'm not allowed this. Um, Because if you're meeting your caloric total and you're meeting your protein totals, you've actually only got so much room Mm -hmm. for your carbohydrates and everything else that you could possibly have. Uh, And that normally ends up quite well. Some, Some people want an eating plan. So I'll create eating plans. That's a lot of work. Uh, I don't enjoy doing that. I must be honest, but uh, you know, I'm there for I'm there for you. So when you say you want an eating plan, it takes me like four days to do it. But I mean, I do it. Um, and uh, and some people get along with that quite well. Mm-hmm. The majority of people though enjoy having a little bit more freedom. Uh, eating plans can be quite restrictive, you know. I'm yeah. also not a chef, yeah. so I create good eating plans, but uh, you know, not a chef. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. difficult. Yeah, I've I've gotten so as me as when I was working as a personal trainer, I've gotten a lot of like people asking me, you know, can you make me a diet plan and stuff like that. And I'm like I'm not a registered dietitian and I don't wanna, you know, steer somebody in the wrong direction and what they wanna do. So I'm like, you know, I'm not the type of person to do it, so you need to find you should try to find somebody that's in that realm or something like that, or just yeah. ask them ask them questions. Because you obviously yeah. there's a lot of people that will give them a nutritional plan that don't have any clue what they're doing and that can be like super dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. I I must say I'm quite fond of the nutrition plans that I design for others. The, the thing is, is that they're hardly ever used well because nutrition plans are, I mean, imagine you wake up and you've been told what to have for breakfast. What if you don't feel like eating that for breakfast? That's yeah. where the problem comes in. Yeah. Uh, and most people, just the way hum, you know us humans work, uh, it's not a practical application because that eating plan can only last so long. And if you've got your results from following an eating plan and that eating plan comes to an end, the chances of your results coming to an end as well are, are very high. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem with eating plan comes in. Yeah, and also those, those restriction diets too. Like they do a restriction diet and they lose all this weight and all of a sudden they start yeah. like reincorporating everything and they just blow back up to where they Nine were before. Nine out of ten times, exactly. Yeah, it's, even, even a great great example, the, the biggest loser, those guys, like 90% of them gained all the weight right back because they're, <laughs> exactly. motiv- they're all motivated with the money and that's it. So they don't really... <laughs> I think there's... I actually think there's a documentary on the biggest loser, the losers after the show, and how they go back to how they go back to where they were. Yeah, because um, which is exactly that. Yeah, because there's no money involved, so that's the reason why they're not, they don't care anymore, and so it's exactly. it's insane. I, I it's unreal. So, um, also uh, there's another question. We kind of talked about this earlier, but like I've had a lot of people asking me, how do they gain muscle? while being a diabetic so i've like mul- i've gotten multiple an- questions on that and i obviously tell them like i'm not like a registered dietitian so what would you what would be a way for you that yeah would be good for them so for muscle mass in general now this is regardless of being a diabetic or not we have to be in an anabolic state we've got to be in a building process a building up process rather than being in that breakdown catabolic state where you know fat loss calorie deficit that word it's been killed but that's what it is so what we have to do is we have to understand that we are going to have to be at a caloric surplus in order for our body to build lean tissue we have to calculate how many calories on average 
that we are going to be burning from exercise. We have to calculate or know that we've got the right training stimulus for the addition of lean muscle mass. You know, we can't be running 10Ks every day and mm-hmm. expect lean muscle mass to, to be present. But then we also have to understand that we're diabetic. So now we're going to have more food coming in. We're going to have a lot more of everything coming in, your carbs, your fats, and your proteins. So what's going to have to happen is we have to then become quite good and efficient at carb counting because the only time the influx of carbohydrates is a bad thing for us is when they push our sugars out of range. And if you, you know, for a non-diabetic, no matter how many carbohydrates you eat, uh, your body, your brain is going to, is going to, um, is going to be signaled that that's coming in. It's going to tell your pancreas to secrete X amount and everything is going to be taken care of. All we have to do is get good at that process by ourselves. Uh, and we've pretty much got exactly the same, we've got the same, um, positive or positive actions as a non-diabetic would have the only difficulty is is that that is where the break happens we know we need to eat more we eat more our training is also quite anaerobic and we've got quite a lot of variables that are pushing our sugars higher without us i suppose being as as disciplined as we should with the insulin the insulin demands to meet that uh, that influx of food mm-hmm. and that's pretty much how you would um you'd add muscle properly as a diabetic is to make sure that you've got the food demands being met the training demands being met and then obviously our medication that's uh, that's our manual our manual process mm-hmm. to make sure it's all synced up yeah yeah so how many clients do you typically have to throughout the year roughly oh that's a good question so uh, online for my online personal training I have about 21 clients uh, on the diabetic athletic program currently there's about 30, 33, if you count yesterday, is 30, 33 people okay. on, the, on the program at the moment. All right, so you're contacting those guys throughout like throughout the whole week pretty much. Like you have a set schedule of like who you're daily. calling it. Yeah. Daily. I'm talking to them daily. So we're either talking about something, you know, the main thing about Diabetic Athletic is that diabetes, it's a full-time thing. Yeah. We've got, we've got hundreds of decisions as a diabetic going on. I mean, I'll get a message. I'll get a message on my phone with a picture of someone's plate going, I've counted the carbs here and it doesn't look right. Or what do I do for this meal? Or can I eat this? You know, the, the questions are pretty much endless. I always say there's no such thing as a stupid question, just yeah. a stupid answer. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's pretty much, I suppose, one of the perks of the program is that when you've got a question, uh, you ask it and it gets answered. So for the group, for the for the program, I've got a Facebook support group. Okay. Uh, where people where people will ask less personal questions, um, and the only person that answers your questions is me. A lot of the diabetic groups, you'll get other diabetics mm-hmm. answering the questions. Yeah. Uh, and it, it kills me inside. We are educated as diabetics, and we know a lot. Um, but you don't have to answer every question, especially if you don't really know how to answer it. So. Uh, you know, just because we've got cars doesn't mean we should be going around fixing everyone else's because chances of us stuffing it up are pretty high. Yeah. Um, so that also helps because that's a place where I can keep all my members in one place and answer questions. I normally answer questions via video. Okay. Otherwise, I'm going to be typing all day long. Yeah, I can imagine. So how do you deal with like like difficult clients that you have? Ah, uh, that's a really good question. I don't have any. Um, <laughs> so I don't have any. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so what will happen is before you sign up to Diabetic Athletic, generally speaking, we would chat. Uh, and if you're not a good suit for the program, or if I feel that I might not be the person to help you, or if I'm not able to actually help you, you know, because if you're trying to sell a promise that you're actually not going to make or keep, mm-hmm. then you might you can't sell it. So what happens is, you know, that's really the process. I'll chat to you, and if I feel you're a good f- f- suit for the program, or if I'm able to actually get you to the goals you've said you need to get. Uh, all is well, and that generally works quite well. Um, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. And we speak weekly, so you can tell when something isn't going in the direction it should be. And that's also really good. That accountability allows you to change that that pathway. So sometimes it'll be going, and it's mostly due to them being overwhelmed. But if yeah. I'm talking to you all the time, it's impossible for you to be overwhelmed because we've got our finger on the pulse constantly. Yeah, pretty much. So you're like always talking to them and then like, you know, you know, spur of the moment something happens, you're you're right there, especially on that Facebook page, which is like super helpful. Yeah. So 
That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. So and yeah, I suppose we live in the day and age where there's just so many ways to talk to one another. I mean, there's WhatsApp, there's Instagram, there's yep. DMs all over the show. You just uh, it's five minutes you can talk to anybody. Yeah, I mean that's how I'm meeting like all these other diabetics because like I think everyone else knows like when they listen to my podcast, I was a diabetic at 34, like a month before my 35th birthday, and so it's a whole like different ball game compared to like you know you or someone else that got diagnosed at 10 i'm kind of like still new to the game i'm only like four or five years into it so it's like that's why oh, i'm like lucky man <laughs> well that's why you're i'm so talking lucky, man. i know I, I i know i mean i am very i'm kind of grateful that it happened at this time instead of like back in the day because like i was completely oblivious to like diabetes and stuff like that until i actually like really got it and i was just like Oh, okay. And then, like, I would talk to like you guys, or like, or like you or somebody else about it, and they would actually give me more information than my endocrinologist. Yeah. So it's 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 unreal. Yeah, it is. It is unreal. I tell you, I've been on both sides of this uh, of that mark because my HbA1c or my A1c when I was younger was like fifteen for years, yeah. years and years and years. So I've been on the side of terrible diabetic control and potential. Uh, I mean, there was a stage where I had injections in my eyes. Uh, was nineteen for almost a year straight, every five weeks, um, and uh, and so yeah, I can relate when someone when someone's going down a path of potential bad diabetic control. Uh, those are good stories to tell them that they do not want to pay the price for bad decisions early on because diabetes and its complications. It doesn't kill us. We gotta live with the. We've gotta live with it. So yeah. that's often a good wake up call for many. Yeah, I always do the scare attack of like, listen, if you keep this up, you're gonna lose your feet or something like that. And then totally. They're like lose your toes, and you really don't want that to happen. And they usually are like, that really happens. And I'm like, you can go blind too. Uh, and they're like, no yeah. way. And then finally, they they get like the come to Jesus moment. They're like, oh, you know, I should really <laughs> really take care of this. So, yeah. So when the first year I got diagnosed, I um. I was 11.5 when I got diagnosed, and within nine months, I got it down to like I think it was like 5.8. My oh, A1, well yeah. So and obviously, like that year after, I was just like eating like an a hole and just like oh, I'll take enough insulin and you know whatever. Then it's up to like seven right now. So yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of work. And the main thing for me is I. I, I eat the same thing almost every single day, but I don't get bored so of it. You and me both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't get bored of it. So. Like I know how to like count and whatever, but if there's like something else that new that comes out, or like something eating something different for dinner, it's usually like I drop the sugar. Like I usually like get low, so I'm just trying to carb count like on a menu. So how do you how do you carb count or how do you tell your clients when they carb count um, like when they're eating out? Uh, well, the first thing where calorie counting and carb counting is concerned, pretty much what you have to do is clean the slate. You've got to pretty much you got to have a blank page you draw a circle with a dot in the middle and that dot in the middle is your bullseye and you'll add foods in there this is really where sports performance is concerned let's just say you add peanut butter into the mix and you find that during competitions your performance starts to it's not doing so well this means you've added a food that doesn't actually bring you close to that bullseye which means you should kick it out of your of your culinary arsenal mm -hmm. as far as carb counting and calorie tracking is concerned the larger the amount of carbs, or the more often you're eating carbs, or where calories are concerned, the longer the list of recipes, the more complicated that process becomes. So what you have to do is you have to understand that you're learning a new process, a new skill, like clicking your fingers or tying your shoelaces. They are simple skills that we can do without thinking now, but when we were learning them, they were actually quite difficult. So when you're starting off carb counting, the thing is to try and not include too many carbohydrates into your meal. Keep mm -hmm. it to one to three portions, 15 to 45 grams per meal, uh, no more than that, so that you can just keep it as simple as possible while you're learning the process. The same with the calories. Try not have uh, meals that have got like 22 ingredients because you have to track all 22 ingredients and there's room for error. So you keep your meal simple, eating the same thing every day or you know a few items like you and me do. That's That makes it makes it a much easier and then once you get better you can start you know experimenting and so on but the way that i normally get people to carb count is one to understand why we carb count and how we carb count and then the practical application and then there's a free app called carbs and cals 
Um, and that's a really great app because uh, what you do is you enter the food you're having uh, and when you enter the food, let's just say whole wheat toast or whole wheat bread, it'll come up and it'll give you six blocks that will give you a visual representation as to what's on your plate. Okay. Because you know, because a banana isn't a banana. A medium yeah. banana is 15 grams of carbs. A large banana is 20 grams of carbs. There's a massive difference. So what will happen is if you've got rice on your plate, it'll give you six dish, uh, portions and you'll look at the pictures and you'll go, right, that looks like what I've got on my plate. And you'll click on the image and then it'll tell you that's 22 grams of carbs. And if you're going to have double that, you'll just push two servings and it'll say, right, that's 44 grams of carbs. And then once, you know, I've helped you work out your, or your endocrines helped you work out your insulin to carb ratio. If we know that two units covers 15 grams of carbohydrates, I'm having 30 grams of carbs. I need four units for what's on my plate. That's, a, that's pretty much how we start the carb counting process. But that app called Carbs and Cows, it's a, massive life savings. Yeah, I got it's brilliant. I got to write that down. So, yeah, that that yeah. sounds that sounds amazing. So, um so can you tell me a couple of your, you know, your client success successes like like throughout throughout like, you know, the time you've been doing diabetic athletic? Absolutely. Um so it's a fat loss program first and foremost. So, pretty much the the claim to the program is that you've got 10 to 15 kilos to lose, you're going to lose it in 10 weeks. Uh, and it's got a money back guarantee as well. Um, but I work you in 10 weeks, eh? and I'm always talking to you, so it's very hard not to get the work done. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why it's one of those things that you can put that behind. So for a large amount of the people, they start being very unhappy in their own skin. Uh, not necessarily always as diabetics, but very unhappy in their own skin. Um, and being unhappy in your own body, that's something that you need to change. And that starts with diabetic improvement, absolutely. But you'll find that your diabetes starts to improve the more confident and happier you're feeling about yourself and small successes they they snowball in the right direction and all of a sudden you didn't want to pay attention to your diabetes but now you're on this winning streak and it's almost becomes addictive to try and improve in all areas of your life and that happens so i would say i would say as far as fat loss goes we've had some amazing transformations um relationships with foods i've had quite a few Uh, diabetics being scared to for example uh, to inject anything more than six units per meal just because they're afraid they're afraid of having hypos yeah um so a lot of a lot of the wins have been mental wins um where the approach to eating uh, and their approach to their diabetes is concerned um and then obviously a1c you know people start with me on 14s and 13s and they go down to having a1c's at sevens and they actually start looking forward to the endocrine appointments mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, those i would say those are the three biggest wins and most common wins uh, that we have yeah now. very cool very cool so yeah so um so with your clients and all that like what's a typical like 10 week membership not a membership but 10 week you know plan for you like how much would that be uh, so it's in US dollars. Uh, it's three three hundred ninety nine dollars for ten weeks. Okay. Um, yeah, it's actually priced in Australian dollars at six hundred and fifty, uh, but for US dollars, it's three hundred ninety nine dollars, which really works out to about six dollars a day, I think. Uh, which is, um, which, what I found is a very fair price point for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, us as diabetics, we've got a hell of a lot of expenses as well. I mean, it's not the cheapest program out there, um, but it is one of the better programs out there. And if you think about it, um, for what you're getting, the the confidence in your diabetes, it's a potentially life-ruining condition. And if you can turn that around uh, for any amount of money, I'd say, then it's a, it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah, I think I think a six dollar power uh, six dollar price point per day is actually right right on the money so it's 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 great yeah. I, I think it's a great great point to get into and also so a little bit more information about you so what kind of insulin are you on are you on like a pump or like an omnipod or a dexacom or anything like that no so i used to be on a pump um i just found being attached to my pump all day long it was something that i didn't i uh, just couldn't i couldn't do mm-hmm. uh, i was on a pump for about a year uh, but now i use dexcom i've been using dexcom g6 for about two years um, well, just short than two years, uh, and I'm on. Uh, you know, my Humalog is Tejo is my long acting, and Humalog is my uh, is my short acting insulin. Uh, but I much prefer to have a a glucose monitor on my phone, um, so I you know get to see what it is and 
I got my alarms when I'm sleeping. That's really the biggest perk for me. Yeah. The peace, the peace of mind, knowing that I can go to sleep, and if it does go low, it's gonna wake me up. That's a win. Yeah. Um, and I'm I work from home, so I got my insulin next to me all the time anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was on a I was actually on a, on a freestyle libre and had like the really bad experience with it. So it was like, I was always worried about the number scanning like every single time, and then I saw the high number. I dosed my insulin and then like a couple minutes later I look again and it's still high not even realizing it's like a 15 minute delay or 15 like minute delay from your tissue instead of doing it your blo- the blood um, you know your finger prick wise yeah and so I would like bottom out at least like tw- like two to three times a day just because I'd stress out and take too much insulin on that I used to actually use the Libre and I used the Libre for a very short period of time because have you used Dexcom before? no I, I don't, I've never even used it Right, so man, I gotta tell you, it's like I don't even know. It's like uh, I don't even want to say it. I was gonna prepare. I was gonna compare two cars to each other, but the Dexcom <laughs> was gonna be a Ferrari. I'm not even just. Yeah. I'm not even gonna say it. It is worlds. <laughs> it's worlds apart. Yeah. So the Dexcom pretty much takes your sugars almost every minute. I mean, if it's gonna go low, it changes from 30 seconds to 30 seconds. It's quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Dexcom is really a chalk and cheese. Um, an example compared to the Libre, I have to be honest with you. Okay, yeah, it's... they don't have competition, and they are great. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're expensive. And here in South Africa, medical aid don't cover a thing above your your finger prick tests and your insulin. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that too. So yeah, that, that's because for for us, well for me, I had to get us some insulin. It was going to cost me like twelve hundred dollars U.S. dollars, just like the and like luckily my wife has a medication that we had our deductible so it's like it went down from like 1300 to i think it was like 120 so within like a week and it and then now now since with the covid-19 stuff going on they're actually giving free insulin to people that are actually struggling that, yeah. yeah so which is which is pretty good so I'm actually quite amazed at how expensive insulin is over in the states. I got to be honest, because you guys have got you got the best of everything, man. I mean, it's and you would think that because, yeah, you would just think that would be it would be seriously expensive here. But I mean, my insulin per month is about a thousand two hundred rand. Um, so dollars, I don't know what that's about a hundred eighty dollars. Yeah, roughly yeah, something like about so, that. But yeah, I mean, everything else, the Dexcom is extremely expensive. It's like a car repayment, a nice car repayment every month. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, yeah. Not, that's not including like the, the attachment, the copper, yeah. the copper wire, and the tr- – like that's like in the piece of plastic and the tape and all that stuff. So and my thing is like when I work out, I'm worried about like something like ripping off because I've seen other yeah. – pe- I've seen other people – you know, work out and they they get their tube, they rip their tube out or, you know, it something slips off and then it's like, you know, I really don't have the money to burn to actually get another one. Exactly. So it's like, I'm kind of hesitant. So I've been doing the finger pricks for like about like four years and, you know, not having an issue about it. So, but I mean, well, that's just it, right? So if you don't have an issue with it, then it's perfect, which yeah. is, which is exactly, that's why I stopped the pump though, because being attached with that tube. And they make that tube way too long. It needs to be shorter. I mean, there's only so much distance between your waist and your stomach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, there, there was a guy. There's a guy that I I talked to once in a while, and he, uh, his tube is super long, like super long. And like, I don't know. Like he he likes he likes it like that. And the reason why he got he has a long tube was because they actually mailed him the wrong one, so he just kept that uh. length. And I'm like. <laughs> I don't know, like especially like all the workouts that I do, and like it's I'm just super worried about like something ripping. Like for the Libre, I had it on for only like three days, because the only reason why was because I was leaning over and I hit the armrest like on the back of my arm and the armrest, and that's how it ripped off. Ah, uh, yeah. And they said every oh. time I put mine on the arm, it comes off. Yeah. So where do you usually, where do you usually put your Dexacom? Uh, on my abdomen, right or left side. Yeah. Okay. And so do you, yeah. do you wear like a weight belt or anything like that when you work out at all or? So no, actually I don't use weight belts because of that. And it's a, it's a, it's unfortunate. It's a pity. Um, yeah, it's a pity, but yeah, you, yeah, man, the sensor fails every time you use a weight belt. So yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I don't lift as heavy as I used to now that, now that <laughs> I got a CGM. Yeah. So what do, what do you typically do for like a workout? So I keep my workouts, I like to keep my workouts at about 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the reason I do this is because I'll do the same workout on, for the day. I'll do the same workout either twice or three times. So what I do and my thinking around this is that I'm able to keep a lot more quality going on rather than quantity in the workout. But I'll hit those same muscle groups uh, three times in the day when doing that workout. But the workout's not long enough to drop my sugars to cause a hypo. Uh, the workout's not short enough and I suppose intense enough to cause that spike. Uh, but also it's only 20 to 25 minutes long. So I'm pretty much done as I catch the spike, which mm -hmm. means I get to eat and uh, bolus for that spike and the food that I'm about to give. So, you know, not everyone's got the luxury of, you know, having a gym at home and doing this that workout, I suppose, three times throughout the day. Um, but that's what I'll do. And I'll generally start my workouts with a compound movement of some sort, some heavy lift. Um, and then I suppose I will... I actually like to lift a lot. So, I mean, I lift throughout the entire session. But uh, while I'm resting, I'll have an active rest. So I'll either hit the bag, I'll do double unders or some skips. Um, I'll do some shadow boxing. I'll hop on the bike or the ski erg or the, the assault runner mm -hmm. and either just walk or run. It depends. Yeah. But I, I quite like to do my work with the with weights and then I do an active rest on, on some kind of metabolic conditioning. Okay. Apparatus. Very cool. So yeah. you must have a pretty sick garage gym. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty kitted, I've got to be honest. It's, yeah. uh, so when I sold my gyms in June 2017, I initially just kept all the all the best stuff that I wanted to train with, and it was excessive. I mean, I kept like six barbells, um, and it was just me and the wife. But I kept six bars, so, you know, got five kilo bars, 10 kilo bars, training bars, 20 kilo bars, strongman bars, axle bars, easy bars, all those kinds. Um, and then just one machine of each, so one concept bike one assault bike one assault runner one ski erg um and one rower um and then well just pretty much that everything that i felt i needed and then the area the people in the area found out that this was here um and so people were asking do we do training here and i was just so over people at that time i mean it sounds terrible but i'd you know i'd been i'd owned gyms for a decade and i was just like all right i'm putting a pause on that one yeah um but I started to miss people. So what happened was I started doing PT here at home. Um, and so I ended up seeing about 21 people a day, but only from 6 a.m. till 10 a.m., three days a week. Wow. So, so it worked well. Yeah. Um, I had four to five people in every hour from 6 till 10. And um, and that's – so, yeah, that's how the PT started here at home. I was uh, was ready to hang up the, the in-person PT, and it, it kind of just found me again here. Yeah. But the gym is – and I'm glad I kept that equipment because, yeah, you know, you've got to have enough equipment. That really all depends on how many people you're able to see at a time. Yeah, that 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 is sort that is the amount of equipment that you have is like everybody's dream. Everyone's cro every CrossFitter's dream, pretty much. Because like I, for me, like I've been looking through like Craigslist to find things, and I've actually got a like a ten year old rower for a hundred bucks, and then we got like a treadmill for like like a commercial gym treadmill for like 200 and like all these other supplies through like you know facebook or the craigslist yeah. so yeah i mean that's a that's a sick setup i mean i'd love to but that's the best thing you could do right yeah the best thing you can do is turn your garage or a room into into a gym i mean it is honestly the best thing you can do yeah i mean i usually i I, I even made a squat rack and a bench press out of like home depot supplies uh, like the, oh, the lovely. yeah it's like a cement block cement bucket with like two four by fours and then like yes it just hooked it up that way so that's i mean it's, how well does that work though hey oh i i have i've it's had a hundred i've had 385 pounds on it for like a day i i wanted to test it before <laughs> i did it so i like left it on there and like bare, like i had like a little crack and that was it so i mean it, it works yeah. and it stays still yeah, like they work well yeah it's amazing i made i made plier boxes because the uh the jerk the jerk boxes here were just so expensive yeah um, when I needed them, and I actually, yeah, I made a whole set. I mean, it took me like three weeks to make it. Yeah, there, um, there. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah, there's actually websites you can do. You can find like jerk blocks and stuff like that. You can make out of wood, and they actually go step by step on making them. I and they said, and they said it roughly would cost you like two hundred bucks or something like that, like U.S. dollars. So, which was. And that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, and it's easy. And like instead of like going on Craigslist or whatever and finding people have like custom made jerk blocks they're selling them for like six hundred dollars or something like that so <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah. I'm not paying for that so exactly yeah but uh um one so I've got two two last questions for you um the last the first one is 
where can people find you on social media? All right, good question again. Um, well, diabeticathletic.com is my is my is my website. That would uh, that would take you if you're wanting to find out a little bit more about what my ten week program is about. Uh, the other most important program I would say is my free three week training and nutrition program. Now, these are for the diabetics out there that are wanting training and nutrition, but not needing as much in depth help. And what I did was, I decided, you know, I. I created Diabetic Athletic from a place, uh, from a business point of view, but also from a place of empathy. Uh, and the three, the three week free training and nutrition program is incredible. That is a, it's a full, fully pledged three week program that handles everything training and nutrition related. Um, but that you can find on my Facebook page, Diabetic Athletic, uh, or on my Instagram, Diabetic underscore Athletic, or on YouTube, Diabetic Athletic. Okay. Um, so yeah, you can find them all there. Facebook's probably the best place to get hold of me, though. Yeah. So I, if if anybody goes on his Instagram page, he has a lot of like IGTV videos that are like super helpful and actually talks. One of them, the one that I found, it actually talks about like his his life as a diabetic and like getting into the fitness world and stuff like that, which pretty much wanted me. That that was one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you because I wanted other oh, people super. to hear your story. I wanted to hear other people to hear your story. So. And then um, the last question, um, what what would you tell a new onset diabetic about what's going to happen in their life? What would I tell them? I would tell them that that they're standing at a crossroads and they have the opportunity to decide which way that's going to go. We have the ability to choose whether we're going to control our diabetes or that it's going to control us and it's only going to go one of two ways there's no middle ground there so although we didn't ask for diabetes we do at least have the opportunity to ensure that it potentially it creates strength within our life i mean you know we don't know how our lives would have ended up if we weren't diabetic uh, but what we do know is that it is going to make us stronger it's going to make us more resilient it's going to force us to become a lot more active and a lot more savvy as far as nutrition is concerned uh, and it pretty much it's going to be it's going to force us to become a lot more health conscious and there are worse things than that uh, it's just diabetic diabetes is a beast and if it's not tamed it unfortunately uh, has the potential to ruin our lives but also the lives of the people that we love most so uh, make the decision and uh, once that decision is made it's actually not such a bad road because we're not alone and our diabetic community is strong mm -hmm. uh, and there's a lot of us out there um, and yeah we're not alone so it's uh, it's not as it's not as bad as one may think while it's happening yeah awesome well thank you very much for being on my show i really do appreciate it and uh, Thanks, I, would, I would love to do another podcast with you later on down the road. Cool. Anytime. I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this, bud, and I was very happy to do this, so thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, it was nice talking to you, and have a good one. Cheers, pal. All right.